The Pat Kenny Show with MasterCard. Share an extraordinary experiences all over the world with priceless cities at priceless.com. This is News Talk. Now, have you ever seen your dog having a, a mad half hour, charging around the place at full tilt, generally going crazy? Well, according to scientists, this could be a sign of your dog's consciousness. So... Do animals have a consciousness? It's a question that has a long and venerable history and to shed some light upon it is our vet expert, Pete the Vet, Pete Wedderburn. Uh, Pete, good morning and welcome. Good morning. And you'll take people's questions as well. So text 53106 with your questions uh, for Pete as well. Now, where did this um, thought, why did this thought cross your mind? Um, Well, basically... When I qualified as a vet, which is over 30 years ago now, at that time, animals were just thought to be a bunch of reflexes. You know, they were pretty much inanimate. They reacted to things in an automatic way, but without being perhaps conscious or thinking. They or weren't deciding. Like no, they weren't deciding. They, they, and, and did they feel pain? Well, perhaps sometimes, but not, not in a kind of normal way that humans feel pain. But since then, the last 30 years our knowledge about animal consciousness has changed dramatically. And very significantly, in 2012, a group of world-leading neuroscientists, they were at a conference in Cambridge, and they released the Cambridge Declaration of Consciousness. And what this states is that the absence of a neocortex, that's the bit of the brain that, that humans have that's particularly big, this, the absence of this does not appear to preclude an organism from experiencing affective states. And that basically means consciousness. And what they say is that the neuroanatomy, so the, the shape of the brain, the structure of the brain, the neurochemicals, the neurotransmitters and so on, and the physiology, all of those things are pretty much very similar in animals and in humans. And so the idea nowadays is that rather than it being black and white, humans and animals, there's much more of a grey scale. So we've evolved in a gradual way. And so they're not as different to us as we used to think. So um, whereas in the past, if an animal did something that looked a bit human-like, people would say, oh, you've just been anthropomorphic to think that's human-like. We're now kind of saying, if an animal looks like a human looks when something's happened to them, they probably are feeling the same way. Mm. Now, we know that dogs can be trained. Um, mm. Horses can be trained. We've seen them in, in circuses. Um, so clearly animals can be uh, taught things. And you'd imagine that learning... And decision making about will I jump through this hoop or not? Well, there's a biscuit at the other on the other side of the hoop, so I will. There's obviously a certain amount of uh, very obvious consciousness in the animal. Well, I mean, but things can be trained to happen automatically as well. So, like, there are reflexes. So, if you know, if you if you tap your knee, your leg kicks without you being conscious of it. So there is an element of that as well. And so working it out without communicating with animals, it's very, very difficult to know for sure what's going on in their head. But we know from dynamic studies, imaging studies of their brain, and that's one of the ways we've got a great advance in our understanding, that when um, they're feeling certain things, whether it's confusion or pain or fear or happiness, the same parts of the brain are lighting up as light up in our brains. And also when uh, not just electrical activity, but also things like protein uptake and chemical, chemical interactions, we can look at those with modern imaging methods as well. And those also tell us that what's happening in their brains is very, very similar to what's happening to us. I think the biggest difference is, is, our, is our large forebrain. So probably we can um, get ourselves into bother by thinking about things an awful lot more, by worrying more about the future and by reflecting more about the okay, past. So that's the question. Do dogs reflect or cats reflect on the past? Do they think about the future? What might lie ahead? Well, um, much less so than us. 
Um, and I think they can teach us great lessons in enjoying the present moment rather than bothering about all the other stuff. But I think that they, they probably do, just in the same way as it's not 100% one thing or the other, to some extent, I'm quite sure they do have those sorts of thoughts. And that's where this, that's where this idea about the mad half hour comes in. Because what happened was there were some um, scientists in Harvard used smartphone technology to sample human ongoing thoughts through the day. And what they discovered was that um, people think about what's not happening almost as often as they think about what is happening. In other words, we go to the past, we go to the future, we reflect on stuff. And when we do that, generally it makes us feel unhappy and we just get a bit miserable. And that's why humans all the time want to be distracted, why they put the radio on, why, in fact, why they drink a lot sometimes is they want to, the expression is used, get out of their heads. They want to stop that process of, of having these slightly morbid thoughts. And so the idea then is that perhaps animals, perhaps they also, when they're just sitting around all the time, not doing anything, perhaps they begin to feel a little bit morbid and a little bit, um, you know, just not so happy. And so the process of running around like a mad thing means that for that time, they've just gone. They're just having a little bit of crazy ecstasy and it stops them dwelling on things. It's just a thought. Just you a can't thought. prove that. Now, what about self-consciousness? I mean, if do dogs, cats, chimpanzees understand mirrors? Some of them do and some of them don't. And that's, that's where there's very like, specific... Like, that's me in there. Yeah. There's a thing called the mirror test that, they, that, that scientists do where they, when the animal's unconscious, anaesthetized, they put a dab of paint on the animal's head where the animal can't see it. Yeah, yeah. But when they look in a mirror, they can see it. And some animals go to touch that and other animals don't. Um, and so, so it's just, a, I mean, you know, the way some uh, creatures will react to a reflection thinking it's somebody else, mm. you know, it, it is another, say, a bird might flutter at a reflection of a bird. Mm. It's, it's him or herself. Yes. But they kind of think it's another bird invading their territory. Yes, that's, there is quite a lot of variation between animals. It's not quite as simple as saying more primitive animals don't recognise themselves and more apparently advanced ones do recognise themselves. There's quite a lot of individual species. In, uh, mm. species um, I've often variation. wondered, do dogs, when they see a dog on television, see a dog? I, I think that's another interesting question. Sometimes for sure they do. I know my animals, when they look at television, they do like... They, they get more animal shows. They, li <laughs> they, like, they like seeing other animals and they like hearing noises like that as well. But... Um, I think it's something which the big issue with animal consciousness is that they can't talk to us. And if it, the only way we can understand consciousness in, other, in humans is because they tell us what they're feeling. So when animals can't tell us, it's very hard. Mm. It's very hard to work and, it and out. Sometimes they try to tell you desperately if they're in pain. They, the, a dog will come to you and sometimes, kind of indicate sometimes there's something not, wrong here. I, I think the overriding message is that when animals do things that seem that, that we'd respond to in humans in a certain way, we should respond in the same way to those animals. You know, they're not stupid and they're not just a bunch of reflexes. And people will say, well, if there is a consciousness in dogs, cats, uh, cattle, whatever, well, you know, we can't hurt them. We can't eat them. Well, that's 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 the, the, the next level. And yet animals eat animals all the time. It's a very tricky area. Um, and there are people obviously um, a, veganism is a growing movement and um, it, it stems from that basis that it's speciesist it, it's the same thing as racist but only it's mm. um, judging it, animals by their species you know the way uh, you have a creature that's hurt yes if a human is hurt we try to help the human mm. if an, a, a creature is hurt say a, a rabbit has been caught in a snare and bites its leg off to escape mm. a fox coming along will say um, they're not that's a poor little rabbit I'll look mm. at his pain fox will say that's my lunch 
Well, that's nature, isn't it? And, and but, but, I, I, I think, I think that, that to me, the big difference between animals and humans is that we humans are conscious more about, we have an awareness of what's happening at a different level. So um, if, if, if a, um, let's say, they're a male and a female dog and that puppy that they reared um, a year ago, if it's killed or it dies, they don't know about it. They don't have sadness over it. They don't have that same sort of consciousness yeah. over a longer period. So there's definitely very subtle differences. And those subtle differences mean that we can eat meat without there being absolute consternation throughout the animal world are appalling behavior because animals don't know about it um, in the same way. But it's a great philosophical discussion. And um, as I say, I, I think the interesting idea is wondering if when animals have um, dogs have a mad half hour and cats have something called the zoomies when especially indoor cats, they rush around the house, along the back of the sofa, up the stairs, down the stairs, going crazy, crazy, crazy. Is it because in some way they're trying to escape their, their internal sadness and I think it's an interesting thing to reflect about we'll never know for sure we'll never know for sure alright mm. some of the questions coming in how do you stop two male dogs fighting the oldest is three the youngest is one they got on sometimes but other times it's like full on war that's a really tricky one especially as the younger dog matures once a dog gets to somewhere between a year and two years of age they reach their stage of adult development and sometimes they just do not get on with other individual dogs. Is there a question of dominance? Who's the boss here? It's not as simple as that. We used to, used to talk much more about dominance now, not so at all. Um, it's a case of reaching a, an understanding with one another that they can tolerate each other's company or even get on together. And, and you can't force that. what about neutering dogs? Does that make any difference? Neutering in... dogs has some impact, but it's not as simple as you think either because um, I think the main thing is if there's not a differential between, between two animals, if one animal isn't you know, um, clearly the one who's 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 going to win an, an interaction, then um, it's more difficult because the fight will will never be solved, and there's always going to be hmm. this challenge, if you like. So, and, and do you intervene yourself and just become the boss? That doesn't work very well. You end up getting bitten yourself. I'm afraid it's one of the few situations where, if there are two dogs that are seriously fighting, the only answer is to rehome one of those dogs. Mm. Um, in the interim while you're deciding what to do you have a to wa water pistol is very good for sorting them out when they're at each other possibly <laughs> possibly but doesn't they, hurt them but, I, but, but I, they hate it I, I've seen dogs seriously try to kill each other in that sort of situation not not just a little fight but a very very serious fight and a water pistol wouldn't go far in that situation um, we have two young German shepherds nipping playfully at the grandkids who love them how do you reprimand the dogs who have this little habit I don't like the idea of nipping playfully because that sounds dangerously close to biting and mm. I don't think you should ever tolerate a situation where there's a, a dog nipping at a, at a child. It's just too dangerous. Um, I would be saying to people, you need to look at that very seriously. In the short term, you should put putting muzzles on the dogs. So, And dogs can often get very used to muzzles and don't mind wearing them. And for the longer term, you really do need to talk to a proper canine behaviourist who go through all all the interactions that are happening and teach you how to respond to those in a more effective way. Another behavioural problem. Uh, my five-year-old Palm is going upstairs and peeing on the children's beds. How can I stop this and why is she doing it? That's from Brida. Yes, this is infuriating. Um, it's common at this time of year because it's cold and wet outside and dogs, especially little dogs that are close to the ground, they don't like going outside because it's uncomfortable. Chills it, the undercarriage. Yes, exactly. They'd be mm. much happier to go upstairs with a nice soft area that's lovely to piddle on. So, uh, you know, you have to clean that area properly. You have to use a um, biological soap powder and warm water and soak it and then rinse it off and spray 
alcohol on to remove every trace of urine smell. But also, importantly, I think you simply have to exclude the dog from going to those areas on its own. Because once they've got the habit, it's very, very hard, hard to break, break it. it. I don't know if it's your area of expertise, Pete, but any idea how I could get bats out of my attic without causing any harm? That's from Mary. I think that's extremely tricky because you're into areas where animals are protected and there's some very active bat conservation groups in Ireland and I would be talking to them because they must get this sort of query very yeah. commonly. I mean, the, the, can you get an infection from a bat? No, uh, no. I mean, but they will do their droppings in your attic. It's going to make a bit of a mess. I mean, I, I think the main thing is to try to exclude them in the first place, which isn't going to help this person, but just make sure any, any nooks and crannies are sealed in your roof so you don't get them in your attic in the first place. Um, we have a Norwegian forest cat who plays games. Her favourite one is to bolt around the house and hide. When you come looking for her, she will tear off and hide somewhere else. Yes. She initiates this by staring at you and then bolts. So she's determined is, to play the game. She's playing. That's it. That's, from John. that's such. You'd, you'd almost say that's a human characteristic, but it certainly isn't. Animals play just like we like playing. My 13-year-old lab has dementia. He's not in pain, but he gets very upset at night, howling and getting lost within the house and staring at walls. What can I do to help him and for us to get some sleep? It's very difficult. You do need to go to talk to your vet. Um, there are other possible diagnoses that could contribute to signs like that, so it's important to get that checked. Um, and there are some medications that can help dementia a little bit, and and um, specifically there will be medications to help dogs sleep at night. Which That'd be, be probably the best thing to do. Be to, the best answer. To date. Uh, my neighbour approached me during the week saying my one-year-old dog is barking every morning when I'm at work and driving them mad. The dog is walked about 45 minutes before we leave the house. What can I do? I, I feel awful. The dog is now locked up in the utility room every morning. Any advice would be great. It's very tricky. Doggy daycare is a great thing to, 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 to do if you can. Um, when dogs go to doggy daycare, they obviously they're entertained all day by playing with other dogs. And the good thing about that is not just for the day that they're actually away, but also the next day, they're going to be completely tired out and much more likely to snooze and not, not to bark. So it's a case of using up physical and mental energy. And like I say, most dogs don't need to go to doggy daycare every day. Even just two days a week can be enough to, to keep them nice and chilled. All right. Well, Pete is going to continue answering your questions on Facebook. Uh, if you want to head over to facebook.com forward slash Newstalk FM, uh, you will find Pete there. Pete, thank you very much indeed. 